Well, good evening once again. It's a great joy to be together this evening. And once again, I'm grateful. You knew I was going to be here and you came back anyway. That is a tremendous encouragement once again. Uh, seriously, it is a great joy to be here at Crossroads Baptist Church. Y'all have been faithful partners for so many years. And as I was uh, looking over my notes this evening and thinking, you know, some of these testimonies that I share, uh, once again, these, these are some who you will meet in heaven uh, because of your partnership with the Sinclairs and God's work there in Cameroon through the years. And I want you to know, as has been mentioned each night, we are praying that God will provide a pastor, a shepherd in his perfect time and, and the man and family of his choice. And we pray for you all each week and we'll continue to pray for that request specifically and continue to keep crossroads in our prayers. And so uh, I'd like to ask if you would please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 as we continue this evening. Of course, the series is around the corner and around the world. And as I was preparing and praying through uh, which messages, which evening, uh, the Lord definitely brought this message on this evening. And sometimes I uh, wonder why, but uh, God knows. And so uh, this is the message this evening. It is a message uh, talking about grace giving, and it doesn't uh, conflict with anything uh, Pastor Capel has said this week. I think it actually complements quite well, and um, again, I think the Lord is going to work in our hearts this evening. I also want to mention that uh, uniquely, um, the outline, the four points of the outline actually came from a church bulletin that my pastor included before a missions conference, and uh, one thing about expositional preaching is you can hear the same message from three different men, and because they're just exposing the same text, uh, it looks really similar. And so uh, the uh, subpoints and the supports for this message were definitely not from my pastor, all right? And he's in heaven now, and I had his permission uh, a long time ago uh, to write these uh, outlined in my Bible. And so I want you to know this is not original with me, but as we go through the text, you're going to see these points for yourself. We're not just making these up this evening. Uh, these come right out of the text here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So let's all stand together if you can. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I'm going to read the first seven verses. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, Yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desire Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bless Crossroads Baptist Church. We thank you for their witness, their testimony of faithfulness, their testimony of generosity, their testimony of love, their testimony in soul winning and witnessing to others. And we pray this evening that this idea of grace giving would be something that would abound in our church as well. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. You may be seated. I hope you know the context here. Uh, the church in Corinth uh, is a church that Paul is writing to here. We call it 2 Corinthians. And um, Paul had gone around to different churches. He had taken up offerings. He had taken up collections for the suffering saints in Jerusalem. And as he went round, the church in Corinth had promised to take up a, 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 an offering to give and that offering would be sent to the suffering saints there in Jerusalem. And so the offerings were collected, and um, uh, Paul actually went round and told people how much the church in Corinth was excited about the offering and how much the church in Corinth was going to give. And that was, that was a motivation, that was an encouragement to the other churches. And so all these other churches had given, and Paul was waiting and waiting and waiting and, and nothing had come from the church in Corinth yet. And so he's writing them and he's telling them, look, I've been bragging about what you're going to do and what you're, and nothing's come in yet. And I just want to remind you uh, that there's still a need. And, he, and, he, and then he holds up this church, the churches in Macedonia, and their tremendous sacrifice and all that they gave. And he talks about this concept, which we keep hearing about each evening, this concept of giving by grace or grace giving. And so that's what we want to really highlight and emphasize this evening. You notice it in several of the verses, in just these seven verses. The first verse, Moreover, brethren, I do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. We round it up in verse 7. Therefore, as ye abound in everything... He's saying, the church in Corinth, you abound in faith and you abound in utterance. You're, you're, you're preaching and you're testifying. You abound in that. You abound in knowledge. Your knowledge of the scripture, you abound in that. And in diligence, your faithful workers, your diligence. And in your love to us. We know that you love us as your missionaries. See that ye abound in this grace also. This grace of giving. Now as we get started, if we're going to talk about grace giving... We need to really make sure we understand this word grace, okay? A grace has often been defined as God's riches at Christ's expense. Have you heard that before? The, the, the little acrostic, okay? And it is absolutely correct that God's grace is a gift from God. But sometimes we forget that it's not just a gift. It's a gift that is given for a purpose, Almost every letter that Paul wrote, he begins with this idea of grace and he ends with the idea. He gives this letter, he teaches them everything God wants them to know, he teaches the doctrine, then he makes the application and then at the end he often concludes, almost always, concludes by saying, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Why does he end that way? Because Paul knows that we cannot do what he's explaining, teaching, and instructing apart from the enabling grace of God. So grace is not just a gift. Grace is the gift of God that enables or empowers us to do God's will. Let me say that again. Grace is not just a gift. It is. But grace is the gift of God to enable us or to empower us to do God's will. We cannot do God's will in our own strength. 
Brother Will made it so clear in his testimony. He, he, he is humbly admitting, I cannot be a church planter in Canada apart from God and his grace. We cannot do what these verses, these chapters in 2 Corinthians instruct us apart from the enabling grace of God. And Paul makes that so clear. I'm asking you to give, but I'm asking you to give beyond yourself by the enabling power or grace of God. I'll give you an example. I, one day in Cameroon, one of the, uh, one of the men uh, that was a, uh, he was a technician, he came, uh, our coworkers, they had a, um, uh, I think it was a dryer, uh, a washer or dryer, it was having some problems and this technician came out and, and Brother Matt, our coworker, he shared the gospel with this man and, and, and he had to come back again and he shared the gospel with him again and, and uh, I think maybe there was an angel just pulling something in there so that guy kept coming back and the third time he came back, he trusted Christ as his savior. Uh, ironically, his name was Emmanuel, all right? Uh, so, but now God was with him, and so Emmanuel trusted Christ that day, and he started coming to church, and immediately he got a burden for his family and friends to be saved. And, he, and every time prayer time would come, he would ask for his family and friends to be saved. They were all Catholic, and they didn't know Christ as Savior. And so one day, we had a friend day every December, right before Christmas, we'd have a friend day. And so Emmanuel brought one of his best friends, Anthony. And Anthony came to that friend day, and, and of course he heard the gospel that day. And so on Christmas day, um, there's kind of a tradition in Cameroon on Christmas, they don't know anything about Halloween, thank God, and they don't do anything on Halloween. But on Christmas, they kind of do what many people do here on Halloween. They go around from house to house, and everybody gives food, and they have something to eat, and, and it's wonderful. And so my wife makes incredible cookies, and so we have a lot of people that come to our house, and that catches on. And so, um, so that's what happened. On Christmas, Anthony, this friend of Emmanuel, he came to our house. And uh, as we sat down, we had a nice time together, and as he was about to leave, or maybe it was just as he was coming, actually, he said, Happy Xmas, Pastor. I'm here to wish you a happy Xmas. And so I asked him, I said, well, what is, what, I know about Christmas, but uh, what is this Xmas? What, why, are, why remove the name Christ? And uh, I said, you do know what Christmas is all about, right? And he's like, well, well tell me, what is, what is Christmas all about? And so I took the next hour or so and explained what Christmas is really all about. You know what? At the end of that, Anthony bowed his head and trusted Christ as his Savior. It was amazing. I, I went into the house and, and I got a Bible and in the storeroom and I got a Bible and I said, Anthony, I want to give you this Bible. Oh, and then he was like, oh, Pastor, I, I got to tell you. He said, I'm an educated man. I'm actually a school teacher. I love literature. I love reading history. But he said, every time I try to read that book right there, I, don't, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I, I don't get it. Well, I took him over to 1 Corinthians, and I showed him in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that the natural man receiveth not the things of the God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. And I said, Anthony, you might not believe me, but now that the Spirit of God lives in you, he will give you the grace to understand this book. Amen. Well, he was a little bit uh, incredulous. I, I don't think he believed me, but he took the Bible and he promised he'd start reading it every day. 
So I followed him up and I, I tried to call him and I invited him to church that next Sunday. He said, Pastor, he said, no, you don't understand. He said, my whole family is Catholic. My brother is a priest in the Catholic church. There is no way I'm going to leave the Catholic church. I said, Anthony, look, you've been going to that church your whole life. They never even told you what Christmas is. They never took time to share the gospel with you. Pastor, you don't understand. I, I can't leave the Catholic church. So I kept calling him, kept calling him. After about three months, I finally gave up on Anthony. Every time I'd call him, he said, Brother Ben, I, I promise you, I'm reading the Bible every day, but I can't leave the Catholic church. Well, I was disappointed, and I finally gave up. And about one year later, about a year after Anthony trusted Christ, I get this call. Pastor Ben, Pastor Ben, I, I need to get baptized. you got to baptize me. I'm like, whoa, whoa is this Anthony? Wait, wait a minute. So, so I said, let's get together. we got to talk. What is going on? And Anthony met me that day right out in front of Faith Baptist Church in Bomenda. And he showed up, and he had that Bible that I had given to him a year earlier. That Bible had underlines and circles and notes and comments. What happened? Anthony had read his Bible from beginning to end in that year. He said, Pastor Ben, every day, every Sunday, I would go to church, and I would be reading my Bible all week, and then I would come in there, and the priest would say something, I'd say, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. That's exactly opposite of what the Bible says. And week after week, the Holy Spirit was working on Anthony. And finally, that week when he called me, he said, that's it. The priest apparently had said something. He had just read something different in his Bible. He got up right in the middle of the service and walked right out the back door. And the next day, he called me and said he needed to get baptized. Now, what happened there? The grace of God happened to Anthony Bong. The grace of God is the gift of God's supernatural enabling to do his will. We can't even understand the Bible apart from God's grace. We certainly cannot obey him and serve him apart from the gift of God's power called grace. So I want you to notice... Apart from grace, that's what we're talking about here. Grace giving. Apart from God's grace, we can do nothing. Verses 1 and 2, we see they gave in spite of their circumstances. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Do you see the paradox in there? I mean, this seems completely opposite of what you would think. You read about great persecution or affliction and deep poverty, and right between those two things you have joy. <laughs> How is that possible? When we think of affliction and poverty, we don't think the equation or the equal to that is joy. And yet, that's what the Bible says. How did they have joy? Because they gave liberally or generously. They gave in spite of their circumstances. I don't know what your circumstances are right now. I don't know what kind of affliction you're facing right now. I seriously doubt if anybody sitting in here this evening is going through deep poverty. I remember reading this verse when I preached through 2 Corinthians in Cameroon. And I'm looking at people, many of them live in dirt floors, unpainted houses, uh, totally unfinished homes. And you know what they would think to themselves? 
I don't live in deep poverty. I don't think America even understands deep poverty. And yet these people in great affliction and deep poverty gave in spite of their circumstances. Acts chapter 5 verse 41 says, And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. These are great paradoxes in the Bible. Suffering leading to joy, affliction, and deep poverty equaling generous giving. These things, they don't compute. They don't make sense to us because we're missing the part of grace. God's gift of his supernatural enabling to do his will. Deep poverty, abounding unto riches, generous riches. I remember years ago, my wife's grandmother, Grammy Mailer, we call her. Um, she was going through a transition in her life from uh, a trailer that she was living in to an assisted living. And she's in heaven now. But during that transition, um, somehow, I don't know why, I'm not a big uh, a finance guy or numbers guy, but uh, uh, the family asked me if I would help her arrange her budget as she got into this new situation. And so um, she, she had this idea, this budget, and we looked at, okay, this is your income. It's a fixed income. It's not like she can go out and, you know, deliver pizzas or cut grass or something to help out with the faith promise giving. But here was her tithe, and here was her faith promise giving, and she wanted, by faith, to give more this year than she had given last year. And, and I tried to explain to her that, you know, she's on a fixed income. It's not like, you know, you can keep doing that every year. And, oh, how, how wicked and short my faith was as I'm trying to explain to this grandmother who has lived her life by faith and is walking with the Lord and wants to give more in her faith promise giving. Well, I finally piped down and closed my mouth and begin to wonder, how is that going to work? I, I didn't see how someone on a fixed income could increase their giving. And yet, a couple weeks later, Social Security had an adjustment in living, and guess what her increase in her Social Security was that year? Just enough to cover that faith promise giving for the next year. I'll tell you what, that hit me. Here I am, I'm about to go to the mission field, and someone else, by faith, is giving by the grace of God. What an amazing lesson that was to me. Grace. We all, every one of us in this room, can give something by grace. Every one of us. Well, not only did they give in spite of their circumstances, but notice in verses 3 and 4, they gave enthusiastically. Verse 3 says, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They gave enthusiastically. Notice those words like much entreaty. They begged Paul to take their gift. I, I've experienced this as well. I remember when we were in high school, our youth group had an activity on a regular basis of helping widows in the church. Maybe we'd rake leaves or uh, trim bushes, cut grass, whatever the, the widows had need of, cleaning the gutters, different things. And uh, we, we did that, and so uh, that became something that we as teens looked forward to. 
And so uh, one, one uh, school break from college, I came back and I'm like, you know what, I don't know if the youth group is doing anything and I've got a limited time, but I'm, I'm going to go do something for the widows. And so I went to one of our widows in the church and uh, went to help her out with some things and uh, um, went inside the house and she had prepared something to drink and uh, sat down there. And right next to her on the couch was her open Bible with her prayer list. And I saw my name on that prayer list. That was a blessing. We got done and she reached out with $5 in her hand. I said, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't come for that. I didn't come for that. I, mean, just, I remember those good times we used to do as teens and, and I've been thinking of you at, at college and I just wanted to come. And she got serious with me. She said, Brother Ben, you are not going to rob me of a blessing. I'll tell you what, I struggled. I didn't want to take that money. She needed that money a lot more than I did. And I did not come there to get $5 for raking her leaves or whatever I did that day. And I struggle with that. You know, I had to learn. The, the missionaries here this evening, some, uh, some of them have commented early on this week things they've learned on deputation. You know what? That's a lesson a missionary has to learn on deputation. You, you may think, well... You know, missionaries have it easy. They, they go to the field and they work and, and other people send them money and this. Hey, it's hard for somebody to take money from a widow on a fixed income. That's a heavy responsibility that a missionary wears all the time. These people were in deep poverty. These people at the same time gave enthusiastically and apparently they had to beg Paul to take the money because it looks like Paul didn't want to take it these people are some of these people are worse off than the people that they're giving the offering to maybe but with much entreaty they begged him to take it and then it says in that verse they gave cheerfully 2 Corinthians, uh, in the next chapter here, verses 6 and 8, says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. How does all, 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 and all of that happen? By the grace of God. To every good work. So they gave in spite of their circumstances. They gave enthusiastically, and they gave as Christ gave. Do you see that? Look at verses 5, even, even down to verse 9. Look at this. 5 says, And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desire Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, See that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. They were just giving as Jesus Christ had given, just as God had given for them, just as Christ had made himself poor that we might be rich. That is the way that they gave in this offering. They gave themselves first. The first thing God wants you to give in this missions conference is you. If you haven't given yourself yet, God's not interested in your wallet. And God knows that if you give yourself first, he already has your wallet. comes along with it. They gave themselves first. And that, and by God's grace, is what enabled them to give despite these circumstances and so forth. Next I see they gave as Christ gave. They gave themselves first and they gave in love. The strongest motivation to give is love. We know John 3.16. It's my favorite verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you so much, he gave his Son, the most precious one object person, he gave his Son. That is love I cannot even fathom. There are people in this world, there are people in this world that I love so much, without hesitation, I would give my life for them. But listen to me very carefully. You all know my son, Andrew, my only son. There is nobody in this world I love so much that I would give my son for you. Nobody. There's nobody in the world I love that much. Nobody. God loves you so much that he gave his son for you. And the Bible says there, if you will believe in him, he will save you tonight. Child of God, if you make a commitment on this card this week and you do it because you love God, that motivation will never wane this year. If you give to this card because you've seen an emotional presentation this week or because uh, my preaching is so powerful and so intellectually challenging that, you know what, a week from now, you're not going to remember this message. You understand what I'm saying? That's not very impressive. But if you give to the Lord Jesus because you love him, the more you get to know him this year, you're just going to love him more. And your love... And your generosity is not going to decrease. If anything, it will increase. And so these people gave. They gave themselves first, and they gave because of their love for God. They gave sacrificially. Giving God your leftovers is not sacrificial giving. I appreciate Brother Capel, I think it was this week, uh, making comment in his testimony about his first challenge uh, to give a, a tithing. Was that, was that you this week? 
And uh, he was trying to figure out, I, I don't think I can afford this. I've got children to raise and I've got all that. And he really struggled with that. But you know what? When he came to that conclusion, he saw God provide. You know, if we try to figure this thing out, like I was trying to explain to Becca's grandmother, trying to figure it out for her, right? No, we need to give sacrificially, not what's left over, but to give by the grace of God. God gave his best for you. Are you giving your best for him? We sang about that tonight, didn't we? Have I done my best for Jesus? Have I given my best to Jesus, or are we giving him whatever's left over at the end of the week? I love to read history, and there's a very interesting character in church history. Uh, I, I found so many different opinions on this guy, and I've tried to read quite a bit about him. But his name is Count Zinzendorf. He's a very interesting guy. Uh, just to kind of give a, a quick overview and then tell a little bit about him, all right? Uh, we attribute William Carey, and we call him the father of modern missions. But one thing that is kind of left out in that history oftentimes is William Carey was really motivated and burdened by reading about what the Moravians were doing around the world already. There are already hundreds of missionaries sent out of the church that was established on the property of Count Zinzendorf. Hundreds of missionaries. And that is what convicted and, in part, motivated William Carey to get involved in missions. And, and for some reason, um, and there were some odd ones, I'll admit, there were some odd ones in that group, all right? Um, I don't, you probably don't know any odd Christians uh, or bizarre people, but uh, there were a few odd ones in there. But there are many of them preaching the gospel, too. Well, how did that church start? What, what happened there? Well, there was this very wealthy count in Europe, very wealthy young man, and uh, when he finished, before he was going off and continuing his education in university and so forth, he decided that he was going to take a break from his education, and he was going to travel all over Europe, see the sights. He was wealthy. He could afford it, and so off he went. And one day, he was in an art gallery, and while he was looking at the paintings in this art gallery, he saw this painting called The Image of Christ. It was a picture of Christ hanging on the cross. And Count Zinzendorf was absolutely captivated by that picture. At the bottom of that painting, there is an inscription. And that inscription says this, This have I suffered for you. Now what will you do for me. And, and he could not escape that question. Christ did that for me. What am I doing for him? I'm, I'm, I'm gallivanting all over Europe, going to art galleries and fancy places and eating in places and staying in fancy hotels. And what am I doing with my life? Christ gave his life for me. What am I doing? And that was a change in his life. It impacted his life. And from that moment, Count Zinzendorf decided he was going to take his wealth. He was going to take all of his resources. He was going to take that large property that he had during a time when people were being persecuted all over Europe. And he was going to make it a haven for believers. And he was going to make it a launching place to send missionaries around the world with the gospel. And he did just that. 
He used his resources, he used his wealth, and he committed his life to serve the Lord Jesus because he got a hold of the reality of what Jesus did for him. In this missions conference, this have I suffered for you. Now what will you do for me? Jesus may ask us that question tonight. What are we giving for him? And finally, in verses 10 through 12, they gave willingly. Do you see that? In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 10 through 12. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to forward a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. And as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. They gave with a willing mind. They made a decision, and they gave willingly. Then they gave what they had. They gave what they had. This message this evening has been directed toward church members and our need to be involved in missions. Sunday, I quoted from Romans chapter 10, and we know in Romans chapter 10, it says, how shall they preach except they be sent? In this day and age, it's expensive, just as it was in Paul's days. It's expensive to send missionaries. And so we need to give in spite of our circumstances. And we need to give enthusiastically. And we need to give as Christ gave. We need to give ourselves first, not our leftovers. We need to give out of love. And we need to give willingly by the grace of God. And even though it's a Tuesday night and I'm preaching to the choir this evening, if there is someone here this evening and you don't even understand this whole idea of grace, the Bible is clear. You can't even save yourself. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you're here this evening and you've never repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to do that this evening. Child of God, are you already given to faith promised missions? Praise the Lord. I want to encourage you this year to give more than last year. Listen, if you gave it last year, and you already saw God provide, you can't do that again because it's not faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And if you've already seen God do it, let me challenge you, step out in faith like my grandmother-in-law. Is that okay? Becca's grandmother, all right? Step out in faith by the grace of God this year and give beyond your own power. Let's all stand together. Father in heaven, Thank you for your grace. Thank you for sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Allowing him to be a sacrifice for us. God, as we consider this week what we're going to commit in our grace-giving commitment cards, I pray, God, that we will give as you gave. Sacrificially and love and so forth as we've looked tonight. Now work in our hearts, we pray.
in Jesus' name.